0: Sucker. Written and narrated by Mark Lingane. Copyright 2014. Episode 8. I closed the door to Angelina's disturbing little office. She was alright. A little weird, I'd grant you and she certainly gave herself permission to release. I reflected upon her ambitions to leave an unwanted past behind, which included me, when I left her little shop at gunpoint. She had let her dark hair down and looked relaxed as though a great weight or curse had been lifted. She had collapsed back into her great Gothic throne, her top still hanging open and her skirt up around her waist like some delinquent schoolgirl. I hope she finds happiness, preferably not at gunpoint. I was getting a little annoyed at being considered a machine. Although it had its upside, I was beginning to chafe and I needed to do some serious walking. Eden Lane was a mystery. How does a guy the size of a cow disappear into thin air? I considered the options and estimated that there was something I missed. I kicked off a 35 when it shunted into game and trailed down the drag until I found an insidious street. It took several attempts, the lane being deceptively dull. I crawled over every inch of that lane, taking a good couple of hours to do it. There was nothing. A cleanly swept alley with nothing but bricks and mortar. As the sun started to diminish into the late afternoon, I gave up. I was sitting at the stop, waiting for a 35, staring at the vacant little lane when Levi came striding out. I blinked in disbelief. What was going on? There was no way he could have come out of that lane unless he descended from the skies, probably on wings of fire. He hitched his size 10s down the street, and I took off after him. He cut through the city park out towards the hill, he strode with purpose, never looking back, his hair flowing and his shirt flapping. Behind the hill was the old, old chameleon church, sitting behind an old city graveyard. having been desacralized decades ago, but had been left quiet since. Dark windows punctuated the worn stonework that towered into the sky in true Gothic-style architecture. I caught a glimpse of him disappearing in through the front doors, a casual glance over his shoulder before he entered. I waited, hidden behind a large stone angel, to see if he'd stay or not. Ten minutes came and went. I heard the scuffing of feet and dived for cover. Someone else was coming up the ancient path. He looked like Levi, a lot, but younger and not as big. Mini Levi approached the door, looking back over his shoulder, then wrapped a quick tattoo on the door. A few moments later, the door opened and Levi stuck his head out before motioning for the guy to enter. The door closed. I could hear voices. The door opened again. Levi walked past with various bits flapping glamorously in the breeze and disappeared into the city park. The sun started to descend behind the church, casting a shadow over the graveyard. I extracted myself from behind the stone angel and approached the great doors. Everything seemed quiet. I placed my hands against the old wood. It felt slightly warm. I pushed the door and it creaked open. It was dim as I stepped inside. It was difficult to see, but the interior looked like it had been trashed. The pews had been destroyed, lying smashed and toppled. A couple of side windows, formerly stained glass, were smashed out with the shards lying around the floor. They crushed underfoot. The place was class A creepy. Musky smells, dusty eddies, desolation, hardly enough light to see by. Wings erupted from beneath me. They swirled and flapped around, battering me. Then they were gone. There was an aggressive squawk just a bunch of pigeons i sighed with relief then there was a gentle sob distant and muffled i followed toward the rear of the church as my eyes accustomed to the low light i could make out the details of the place the floor was covered with thick dust making out the footsteps of any recent visitations my eyes followed the main set and drifted up into the walls The place hadn't been desacralized, it had been polarized. Effigies and symbols of adulation had been erected to the darkness. Disturbing pictures of people in unnatural situations adorned the walls in a macabre side show of disfigured anguish. With the one constant theme, blood. People bleeding it, drinking it, bathing in it. The images added more and more deviations with all sorts of instruments and animals until it ended in one horrific spectacle sitting above the altar. And buried in the center of the image were two winged people, beautiful beyond compare, surrounded by winged animals just like the ones I'd seen in the tank. Behind the picture was a small staircase leading up to the rear tower of the church. The spire sat at the top and the gentle crying was drifting down. The mini-Levi appeared to have disappeared, leaving the church in silence except for my footfalls and the crying. The old masonry crunched under my feet. There was only one other set of prints going up. I made my way up through the warm stone column. The steps wound tightly around the center stone column, worn smooth by time. The steps had worn hollows from a million footsteps over a thousand years. There were no windows cut into the walls, making the walk darker and more dangerous the higher it got. A breeze gusted down, blowing a cloud of dust into my eyes. I wiped them momentarily, losing my balance as a wave of melancholia wept over me. There was something very creepy about this place. The tunnel effect of the tower seemed to amplify my senses. My hearing picked up every little creak and groan coming from above. My eyes craved light and I sought the faintness of rays illuminating the edge of the stairs. I made it to the top of the tower now in total darkness. There was a solid door barring the way. I ran my hand over it. It felt like solid metal. I pushed it. It was locked tight. I tried to feel around the edges. There was nothing. The metal door sat solidly in the metal frame that felt like it was cut sharply into the stone. I placed my ear to the door. I could hear the weeping on the other side. I ran my hands over the cold metal again, slower. I could make out a slight raised circle in the right side of the door. As my left hand swept over the metal, my fingertips made out a second circle. I stepped back with the fingertips of both hands in the center of each circle. There was the faintest of clicks, more a detection of the low frequency of something rather than the actual sound of it, the door swung silently in. The light exploded from the room beyond. The sun shot directly into my eyes, forcing me to shield them with my hand. It felt like it was burning my skin away. I stepped into the small room. There, with her hands tied in front of her around a post, gagged. On her knees sat the curves I wouldn't forget. Her head was lowered and she rose and fell as she sobbed, her hair falling forward to cover her face. I didn't need to see anymore to know who it was. Mina. I ran over and shook her. Behind her sat a large stone altar just like the one in the vinyl with its great stone demon four stone heads at each corner. This one had 12-inch spikes sticking up from the center. She cowered away, turning further in herself, afraid of facing her supposed assailant. I knelt down and gently held her face. She slowly looked up. Her eyes were full of tears. Her face was smeared with dirt. Her arms were bruised. Her dress was torn, showing glimpses over her divine body. Her eyes brightened then went wide. In their reflection, I caught mini Levi coming down like a cheap wrestler, all show and no curtains. The stone statue of a demon wasn't a stone statue, or a demon. I dodged to the side, catching his arm and twisting him onto the floor. He landed with a heavy thump, but easily rolled onto his side, then up onto his feet. He let out a strange hissing sound and leapt up onto the broken altar. I wouldn't have minded, but it was four-foot vertical jump and he did it without effort he pulled an 18-inch long red dagger we all looked at it with various levels of emotion mina looked terrified mini levi looked confident i guess i look fed up i was the only one around here without one he swung it around clumsily I ducked back out of the way. A couple of poorly aimed stabs, and I grabbed him by his hands. He looked taller than when he had walked in, but he wasn't tall enough. I wrenched his arm around behind him, running him forward into the edge of the altar. He dropped the dagger, and it bounced away. The sharp point of the altar knocked the wind from him. I kicked his legs aside and he collapsed onto his knees, knocking his head on the way down. I picked up the dazed fool and gave him a couple of sharp slaps across his face. His eyes rolled as he fought for consciousness. I held him up by the collar with him sagging on his knees, blood trickling from his nose. I raised my fist to give him a count out. Then there was a soft cry from Mina. I looked over to her. There was a twist from within my grip. I looked back to Minnie. Levi. The blood was gone, wiped away, I assumed. He leapt up, but I managed to continue his momentum, lifting him up onto the top of the altar. A stake drove up through his body, leaving him dead with his limbs hanging over the edges, blank eyes staring at me. I felt momentarily sorry for the young guy, but then he had been trying to kill me. I picked up the dagger and sliced through Mina's bonds. The dagger felt hot under my touch and it grew hotter. I threw it aside, it adding to the overall weirdness to the place. She was lighter than a delicate souffle. I easily lifted her and cradled her in my arms and carried her away. Who was that? I said, indicating the fallen man. Blood was pooling from underneath him, spreading out from his shoulders towards the demented stone heads. He looked like he had wings of blood. It was Phoenix. We need to go before he... Her sentence trailed off. I looked back at him as we left the room. To me, he wouldn't be doing any for he anymore Take me to your place, she whispered. The metal door slammed shut behind, leaving us in near-perfect darkness. I waited for a moment as my eyes adjusted back to the blackness. It ain't safe. He can't find us there. You did. I started to slowly descend the stairs, feeling for each step as we went. She lifted her hand and gently stroked it down my face. I could see her eyes glowing in the dark. You don't know how long it took me to find you. The sun had set and the early night crept in like vengeful molasses. I kept to the back streets until I could grab a cab. The discreet ones ran off the main drag. It was going to cost, but privacy did these days. I bundled Meena in and gave the driver in his crisp charcoal uniform with a yellow band and some sorry excuse about her drinking too much and her husband on the warpath. He gave me an understanding nod and high hightailed it to my office, stopping around the corner. I tipped him on the courageous side and carried her up to the office. There was no sign of the rent monster who often stomped around chasing anything that was waiting to be chased. I laid her down on the stretcher. She briefly stirred. She was a complete mess. I unzipped her dress and peeled her out of it and threw it in the washer. I tried not to look at her secrets but damn she was seductive and she had a taste so expensive and classy her secrets were nearly art. I placed a blanket over her and she wrapped herself into it. The time ticked by and she drifted in and out of some haunting dream that seemed to worry her. In the deepest sleep she started to perspire heavily. I rinsed an old cloth under the kitchenette tap and wiped the grime off her face then folded it across her forehead. Her disturbance passed and she slowly stirred. She opened her eyes just as I removed the cloth. I offered her a glass of water and she drank heavily from it. She was living without an ocean, running hot and cold, currents going nowhere. Then her eyes focused and she made all the sense in the world. I swept her hair back from her face and looked into the deep blue eyes as wide as the Pacific. You alright, I said. You are a man and I am a woman, honey. You ain't ever supposed to understand. She looked down. You seem to have relieved me of my clothing. Well, some of it. It's in the washer. I hiked my thumb over my shoulder at the same Sound of ancient Bendix laundry machine groaning away, echoing through the paper-thin wall. At least you left me in my secrets. Nothing like the lure of anticipation to get people hot and bothered. Start talking! Are you sure there ain't any other use I could put my mouth to? She raised her hand up and stroked my knee. Some things never changed. Her desperation for attention was so deeply ingrained it was never far from accentuation. Start with Levi. She sat back inside. He's a mob boss, second from the top. Who's the top? I don't know, they're all hidden. You don't know they exist until they decide to let you meet them. You know what these underworld figures are like. No. Something going down where there's gonna be some challenge between some of the lower heads. Then whoever is left can challenge for the top job. Then they get to run the city. Are we safe here? In your office? Well, honey, as delectable as you are, you have no idea about this newfangled thing called advertising. And in a big city, if you don't want to be found, you got a million places to hide above or below ground. Should we lie low? I thought you'd never ask, although removing the clothes is a pretty good hint. How low do you want to go? I closed my eyes and fortified myself against the onslaught. Do we need protection? It was too late. I'd spoken without fully analyzing the consequence and potential of the sentence. Get your gun out, big boy. I'd like to see you pump out a few rounds. Stop it! She let out a sigh and for the first time a week she looked vulnerable. She clasped her hands across the sheet. I'm sorry. I thought you'd like that kind of thing. I thought you were a tough guy. It was almost a question. But I knew if she was asking it, it showed there was something she was missing, longing for. Maybe she was looking for a tough guy for protection so she could stop pretending. Perhaps once, not anymore. No one ever seems to take notice unless you chase them down, especially the good ones. She let out a small sigh and gave me smile while reaching out for my hand I took it in between mine wrapping around her delicate hand completely how did you get involved you'd be amazed at how easy it is they offer so much and it's all so exciting then it's a slippery slope straight down and at the start there's so much fun in being bad but you soon get tired of it and turn it around But even with all the best intentions, you can only go one way. Unless you either deal or betray your way out. Who you going out with? She let out an incredulous laugh, covering her mouth with a hand. No one. I wouldn't have shaken the tree with you if I was going out with someone else. Who said it was going to be with anyone else? Levi? He said that. She let out a light laugh. I'm amazed you got to talk to him. He is a tough guy. Yeah. I nodded at the recollection of his right hook. I'm a free robin sitting on a branch until I get bored. With her other hand, she made a small flapping motion flying away towards the window. She watched her own hand mesmerized by it, then brought it back quietly and folded it across her stomach. She looked down for a moment. i have been trying to get out for ages. I met Hugh and he seemed like someone who had the confidence to get me out. It never occurred to me that he was a plant. What? They were trying to trap me, prove that I was trying to sell them out, of course. I wasn't, but then he stole something significant to Levi and his thugs, and they went all out to get him. Why are you so important? And that little hesitation let me know there was something she was hiding. She masked it with her widest, most sinful smile. Honey, just look at me. How can I not be the most important thing in your life? She was a whole bag full of mental delights that could melt your resolve out your ears. And she played harder, quicker, and more deviously than the star throwback of the Champions League. But she was locking something away with such strength even my Remington Unlocker wouldn't work although I'm sure she'd want to give it a try. I sat back and thoughtfully scratched my chin. I let a few moments tick by, seeing if she would get uncomfortable, but she would lie on a bed of nails and think it was a princess's mattress, whether someone had peed on it or not, if the inclination took her. What happened at 1969? I found out and felt bad for him and I wanted to warn him, but he had taken off and I had no idea where he had gone. That's where I found you, but Levi was also looking, and he had fingers everywhere. Levi was out when the messenger came with the news that Hugh was at limbo's. I went there straight away, but Levi was only a few minutes behind. He found us together, and killed the poor guy. One swift motion, in and out, I jumped on Levi, grabbing the knife. He threw me to the floor, but I managed to twist the dagger out of his hands. Then you open the door. She paused, a look of concern flashed in those baby blue cheaters. I'm sorry. What did Hugh say? You know him, or at least you can guess. He was full of his own self-importance, just like the rest of them. He said he'd got something that would defeat them all. I asked what. He said he'd hidden it as protection. What was he hiding? She let out a long sigh. Don't we all have something to hide? Although at this moment, beneath the sheet, there ain't a whole lot I'm hiding. See? She whipped up the sheet. I laid my hand down over it and pushed it over her. She began to look tired. You look pale. I got up and made my way over to the door. Please don't leave. I'll make it worth your while. She reached out to me, letting her smoky eyes fill out the rest of the sentence, paragraph, and the prose required to fill in the top five bestsellers in erotic novels. We need supplies. I replied. You mean food? Her eyes lit up. I haven't eaten in days. Sure. I gave her a smile and flipped open the door. Lara was standing there, poised to knock.